Sounds good. I think I can handle that. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, as Bobby said, I'm Garrett Gottlob. I'm the youth director here at Lighthouse Fellowship. In a minute, I'm going to be talking about our theme for the trip this week, which was Fired Up. But before that, can you all give another round of applause for the students that spoke and the singers this morning? They did such a great job. I really don't know how I'm supposed to follow them up. Their stories very incredible. That being said, we have lots of time left, so I'm going to do my best and try, all right? Um, and then can, I also, uh, can we also give a round of applause for all the other students and everyone else who went on the trip? I know that most of you already know this, but we have some amazing youth at our church. All of the students who went on this trip worked so hard this week. They did exactly what they were asked to do when they were asked to do it. And more importantly, they did it without complaining. And I know some of the parents in the room might have trouble believing that, but it's true. I don't think I heard a single complaint throughout the whole week, which was just incredible. Um, we painted three whole homes during the week, and the students just did such an amazing job. They were constantly being uh, commended for how well they painted and how much work they were getting done each and every single day. Our leaders were also very incredible. Many of them gave up a weekend of vacation time in order to go serve others, right? When they could have been at the beach or hanging out at home and relaxing instead of working, they went and they probably worked harder than they work in a normal work week because they were out in the hot and, uh, sun, getting sweaty, working hard, trying to help others, and not only that, but taking care of the students and making sure everything got done with them. All of the leaders were always willing to step up whenever help was needed. And I don't exaggerate when I say that the trip wouldn't have been possible without them. But we didn't just go down to Orange in order to try to work on homes, though. Although one of our main reasons we went was uh, to do that, one of the other reasons we went was to grow closer in our relationships with God. This happened primarily in the opportunities that the students get to practice loving their metaphorical neighbors well. But we also foster opportunities for this to happen every day by going through daily devotionals that I prepared. Each devotional was based off of a singular theme. And as you can see on my shirt and all the shirts of the students here, that theme was fired up. Right? I chose this theme for multiple uh, reasons. The first and most obvious uh, thing you think of when you hear the term fired up is excitement, right? Energy. We're going to go do this. We're going to make this happen, right? I did this because I was excited to see what God was going to do on this trip in my life, the lives of the leaders, the lives of the students, and most importantly, in the lives of the families that we were going to help. The other reason that I chose this phrase as our theme is the fact that the Bible is full of rich imagery and stories when it comes to God and fire. Uh, we looked at this uh, Exodus 3, where God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. Uh, we looked at Exodus 13 and 14, where God led Israel out of Egypt with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We looked at Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit des descended upon the apostles and came down as tongues of fire. Uh, we looked at 1 Kings 18, where God sent fire on Elijah's offering, right when he was battling 450 prophets of Baal in a competition to see which offering would be lit up. God, God lit, lit the fire on Elijah's offering over the 450 prophets of Baal. And then we also looked at 1 Peter 1, 6-7, which Liz referenced earlier, 
which talks about God using trials in our lives as fire to test us and to purify us. My personal uh, favorite devotion, though, was from our very first night of the trip, and I want to take a chance to get to share that with y'all. Right? I entitled the sermon, Even If, which is, uh, as the song we sang earlier is based off of this passage of scripture. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you what I wrote for that morning, if that's all right with y'all. And if it's not, I'm still going to do it, but please bear with me. All right. So ever since Emperor Constantine made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire around 1,700 years ago, Christianity has enjoyed a prominent place in the lives of those in Western culture. In America, up until the last few decades, it wasn't really a question of if your neighbor went to church, but where your neighbor went to church. A shift's been occurring recently, though. The average American person's religious beliefs have been shifting away from Christianity and towards having no religious affiliation. This group of people, known by academics as the the nuns, is now as large as both the Protestant and Catholic denominations in the U.S. With this shift um, has also come a shift away from Christian values and towards secular ones. Uh, I believe that it's never been harder to be a Christian in America than it is today. Thankfully, though, the Bible can speak towards how to best live in communities and areas that are hostile towards followers of God. Literally, the whole Bible is written for Christians in settings like this. Uh, So if you'll take out your Bibles or your smartphones and turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, we're going to examine the story of three men and how they respond when they're uh, in a setting where they're the minority and they're told that they need to worship a false god. So again, that's Daniel chapter 3, which says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harps, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty." They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What an incredible story. Every time I read this passage, I'm always amazed at the strength and determination that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed in the face of such adversity. I think this passage begs us to ask ourselves how we would respond if we were in their shoes and we heard the decree to worship the image. I think if a lot of us were honest, we would protect ourselves and we would worship the image. Maybe, though, there are a few brave people here who think that they might have done the right thing. But what about the next step? What about outright refusing to do so in front of the king, knowing that it would likely cost you your life? Right? I think that the amount of people in this room that would be willing to do that would be few and far between. Yet despite all that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they responded to the king by saying, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Right? It's no wonder King Nebuchadnezzar ordered the furnace to be made seven times hotter, right? They were outright defiant to his face. Right? Can you imagine that kind of anger he must have had in that moment? Right? But did you notice what gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the courage to say no to the king? It was their faith and confidence in God's ability to save them. They knew that God was capable of saving them from the king's punishment, but they were also aware that God might choose not to do so, right? But regardless of the outcome, right, even if God chose not to save them, they were determined to do the right thing regardless. As Christians, we'll all eventually encounter situations like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, right? It might not look like actually bowing down and worshiping an image, Right, but we we're we're always tempted to worship things or different items in ways that we shouldn't. Right, we all have different idols in our own lives. Right, things that we spend more time focused on and doing than spending time with God. Right, that could be television, that could be our jobs, that could be making money. All these different things that we focus on. It could be our image, things that we focus on more and try to worship than worshiping God. Right. But 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13 tells us, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. As Christians, we should not be surprised when we are tested by fire, but we can rejoice because it's an opportunity for God's power to be shown in our lives. In Isaiah 43, 2, God tells his people, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God has promised to be there for us and to protect us when the world seeks to destroy us. This is increasingly the types of situations that Christians are finding themselves in in America today. As we close out our time this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself and to reflect on the difficult things that you're facing in your lives. I want you to ask yourselves if you're following God and trusting in his ability to help you get through them, or if you're compromising your character and trusting in other people or things to help you. My hope is that the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will inspire you to do what's right, even if it could come at great expense to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you are powerful enough to save us from whatever circumstances in our lives are, are tough, God, that are dragging us down. No matter what we're going through, you can help us get through it. But we also know, God, that sometimes you allow us to go through these situations to test us and to draw us closer to you. Regardless of if you will save us or not, God, even if you choose not to, God, may we be people who do the right thing regardless of the outcome. May we be people that follow your commands in the face of whatever comes our way. In the name of your Son, amen.